Hello, welcome to IG's Trading the Markets. Today we're joined by Rick Bensignor, president of Bensignor Investment Strategies, and he joins me all the way from New York. Uh, great time to be speaking to you. We've had such a realignment in the last few sessions. Uh, those interest rate expectations uh, now for potentially a cut in the first half after those CPI and PPI numbers. Is this uh, similar to your reading, or do you think that the fight against inflation is far from over? No, I think the Fed has finally raised enough and it's taken some time, but it has finally trickled down enough to see inflation numbers come down. And that's a good thing. Uh, they're now under 5% in the UK. They're about 3%, give or take, in the US and the Eurozone. Um, finally, we're seeing some reactions to, you know, it's, it's like I say, it's taken a while, but we're finally seeing uh, inflation come down and market participants, especially after the CPI number that came out last week, um, jumped on this and uh, have have given the markets, let, let's call it kind of a, a new lift when it comes to the equity space, because you had a breakdown in the S&P under, let's call it 4250. Mm -hmm. uh, they got a lot of people bearish. We bottomed exactly at 4100, which was one of our downside targets. Um, but the massive move since Angeline has just been incredible. And what you're seeing on the interest rate side is a market that had hedge funds dramatically positioned for a long, long time at record levels uh, being short bonds. And it was the correct thing to do. So finally, you had to have some event or something that was going to uh, let's call it bring some pain to that trade because it's worked beautifully. And I'll, I'll tell you that a year ago, there were strategists saying too many hedge funds are short bonds. Um, you need to buy bonds. And I was never in that camp. And But now that we've hit 5% in the U.S. 10-year, we've backed off to, let's call it the, the four and a half range. I can make the case that we at least certainly have some type of near-term high in place. And if this continues to, the, the sentiment has shifted dramatically. Mm. If this continues to act like it has recently, you can make the case that in 2024, you could see the U.S. 10-year get down to, let's call it 410 to probably 3.7%. Mm -hmm. So what does this all mean as you for, for equities? Because as you rightly say, uh, you know, the realignment in this outlook for uh, U.S. rates has meant that uh, U.S. equities have got this, you know, second wind uh, and um, the Dow industrials creeping back, you know, breaking through uh, resistance points and creeping back towards high seen in July. Are we going to see um, uh, a continued upward lift until we break past that July level? You know, I, I think we're going to challenge the highs and we could certainly take them out by a little just to get the media jumping on board that we're at, again, new all-time highs. That doesn't mean it needs to persist. Um, there's still enough macro issues out there. It's, it's as if everybody's just in the last week or so thrown out the entire macro climate which has significant geopolitical risks and those can often overhang a market and, and near-term things like we've seen um people kind of put it aside but you you can't forget that you still have the um 
Russia-Ukraine war. You still have U.S., let's call it U.S.-China politics, even with the meeting uh, with Jinping uh, yesterday, are, are quite tense compared to, uh, let, let's call it, the last 10-plus years. And, uh, and now you've got the Mideast conflict, which doesn't seem to be resolving itself anytime soon, and that could be a prolonged issue. Uh, so I, I think investors are quick to jump on this positive news, and it was, the CPI was surely positive news. It's somewhat of an overreaction in the near term, and even if we push to highs, and by the way, I looked this morning at from December of last year, the strategists on the street, I don't know, there was probably about 15 firms that had put out year-end 2023 targets. And based on that now only being about six weeks away, not one strategist on the street is right based on where the S&P is currently. Um, or perhaps maybe the highest estimate was about 4,500. So we'll, we'll give that person credit. Everything else was lower. So often the street gets the game wrong. And of course, there's still six weeks to go, but the bulk of the people were well lower and um, just not doing a great job at, at foreseeing what can come. And I will tell you as a long-term strategist myself, I was Morgan Stanley's uh, chief market strategist for many years. I've been a strategist and a trader now for over 40 years on Wall Street. It's not easy getting the game right and prognosticating a year out. And I tend not to do that. I don't put out year-end forecasts uh, in January or you know December for the following year. I think it's silly to even attempt. There's just too much that can go on over the course of the year. And this is a perfect example of this year. There's too much that can go on to really try to predict where a market is gonna be 12 months hence. And what's um, interesting as well is that um, a lot of strategists and um, fund managers I've been speaking to have said that uh, the volatility index, which is amazingly low given all the, um, uh, and rightly so, all the uh, things that you mentioned there, you know, the war, Ukraine, Gaza, uh, it is still at the 15 point, you know, around the 15 level and perhaps um the one school of thought is that the volatility index shows that actually that's it. The Fed's done with hiking rates and actually it's, it's the cycle's changed and we're going to look towards rate cuts. Would you agree with that? Would you, do you look at the volatility index in that way? I, well, I look at it as a gauge of how people, when it comes down to it, the VIX is really, you think about it, a way of, determining how much option sellers are demanding in order to be on the other side of those who want to buy protection. And um, a, a VIX at 15 or 14, you know, anything down here, um, traditionally, if you go back long-term, is, is not particularly low. If you go over the last several years, yeah, we're on the low end here. And once again, it's suggesting uh, that there's not much fear in the market. The, the stock market has zoomed higher. Uh, and But anytime we get down here, it's also has not been a bad time for those who want to buy protection. It's, you know, close to as cheap as it's been in a while. 
And I think you have to take advantage of those times. And that doesn't mean you just go out as a portfolio manager and now say, okay, I'm going to hedge my portfolio. We've had a big run up. But in the scheme of things, you know, I could, I could say that perhaps the NDX, let's look at the QQQ, the ETF that tracks the NASDAQ 100. You know, I could put a target that's maybe 10% higher or so, so maybe a little early to, to put on protection. Uh, I can make the case that in the next year or so, if the S&P continues to um, ride this bullish move, yeah, I can make the case the S&P gets to 4,600 or something like that. But as you approach that, I think you do want to add protection. If, if the VIX is, if option sellers are going to let you buy protection for a very small cost, then I think you'd almost be foolish not to have some on when you are also against resistance or you can measure target up moves and, and determine where and when it's not a bad time to put protection on. So uh, I generally tell people, you know, if you want to do something now, generally you want to be more leaning towards buying calls or buying puts when option when the option cost is low. When you get a VIX at 25, you generally want to be more towards using options to sell because of the long-term range and the fact that the VIX doesn't stay above 25 very long at all. So I think part of it is just understanding where you are in the cycle. And because the VIX has dropped as dramatically as it has recently, and it's again testing near uh, the lows of the last couple of years, you have to think about using and buying some protection at a well less cost now, a cheaper price than it would cost you to protect when things are getting crazier and even where the market was just a couple of weeks ago and you were at, you know, under 4,200, you had, to, you had to pay about 18 for the VIX. Now you can get closer to 14. And as you say, there's been a huge uh, re amount of action in the markets just in the few uh, last few weeks. Um, I know that you are also nibbling on bullion and you say that gold's medium term uh, picture has improved. Gold prices did rise on uh, those hopes that the uh, Fed's tightening uh, cycle had come to an end. Is it mostly down to this or are there other reasons? Well, it's it's a few things. Uh, gold, uh, I guess about a month, a month and a half ago, surprisingly broke down. We actually got long at the low. We paid 1830 uh, to get in. Uh, but I was out, it was actually a trade. I was out by 1890. I never saw it, you know, getting the extra hundred plus dollars to the upside uh, that it had. So I had a quick successful trade, but that bottom and the spike from there kind of changed the medium term picture to more favorable, still within the bigger range that gold's been trading for the few years, which is, let's call it 2000 to 2050 bucks or so on the top side and about as low as 1650 on the downside. So you're in a 400 point, $400 large trading range over the last few years. The fact that gold bounced where it did just north of 1800, I think it got down to 1812 or something like that as an intraday low um, and then rallied back to 2000. I was telling clients that you should nibble between 1954 and 1930. Um, and that's so right now we are tactically long gold, but I do think the medium term picture has improved. And Angeline, if interest rates do back down to under 4% on the U.S. 10 year, I could see that as potentially the catalyst to finally get gold 
to make new all-time highs and and run to as high as I'd say twenty four fifty. If it's in, been in a four hundred dollar range for the last few years, if it breaks out upside, you could you could probably target a four hundred dollar move from the breakout. So that that puts you at let's call it twenty four fifty. I can make the case that that could happen. Look at Bitcoin. Look at some of these alternative type things in the type run it's had. Now some of it is because you may get some ETFs related to. Uh, the crypto space, and that's what Bitcoin's been rallying on. But, you know, the long-term gold uh, bugs, the bulls, have not really been rewarded in recent years. The big move came in between 2015 and, let's say, 2018, and then it's kind of not done a heck of a lot since. This could be the catalyst, really, if you get lower interest rates, um, and Ultimately, you get a U.S. 10-year that went from goes from five percent to four or even under four. That could, at this point, be the catalyst to get gold up and running. So I, I do lean tactically long, and I'm, I do think the medium-term picture has improved. Right. Thank you very much, uh, Rick. We have to leave it there. Rick uh, Benson, you're uh, talking about uh, why there could be catalysts uh, that could get gold up and running again and why he's positive on gold's medium term picture. Uh, for more uh, interviews and market analysis, do tune into IG's Trading the Markets. This is IGTV.